I have a book deal with the sixth largest publisher in the world, and I truly believe the book will help many people and be a great boost to my professional life as well. I have kids ages 8 to 27 and believe the best thing I can do with them right now is invest time into them. So these are the great works and opportunities in front of me, great things. Yet the days go by and I find myself dealing with the more urgent demands of daily life and these initiatives often stay on the back burner. So do I need to stop some activities, delegate some things, or do I just need to get more focused and work smarter? This is our discussion today. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, a top-ranked all-time career podcast in Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this show, we expound on Zig Ziggler's be, do, and have philosophy, meaning you have to be the right kind of person, then do the right things before you can expect to have what really matters in life. And we want you to have what matters. Also, check out my podcast, What Drives You, where we talk with people who have reached impressive achievements to ask what drove them, good and bad. And we dig into the very motives that drive us all with the goal of clarifying just what is driving you. Then in my True Life podcast, we want to get you fully functioning physically so your body doesn't hold you back. You can find all three of my shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit ziggler.com. Connect with Tom Ziggler and the Ziggler family about upcoming events and how they can come alongside you and help you inspire your true performance. I'm going to play a three and a half minute clip from Zig Ziglar talking about the overwhelming amount of opportunities and demands and decisions that we all face every day. So many good things that we're striving to do. Zig even gives a list of his personal and professional goals that he wanted to accomplish in a given year. And then he did the math and realized it would take approximately three times more time than he actually had. So what of those good things had to go? to ensure time for the great things. I mean, again, this is what we all deal with every single day. So I polled our audience, did a survey by asking this, if you were offered an opportunity of a lifetime that required you to stop one or two of your daily or weekly tasks, duties, and roles, what would you consider letting go of or delegating? Well, Tom Ziegler and I talked through what tasks and roles and responsibilities that we can stop doing or delegate in our work and our personal lives, as well as looking at where we are just being inefficient and wasting time and can free ourselves up being more focused and intentional. So stay tuned. I'm going to queue up a short message from Zig Ziglar, and then we'll talk through the issues. In life, you can't have everything uh, that is out there. In America, there are over 50,000 ways to earn a living. You'd starve to death if you tried to do 50,000 things to earn a living. You got to get focused. Our main objective now is to shorten that list. You can't be doing have everything. For example, you can't spend quantity time with the family, be the president of the service club and the PTA, be rude and nasty and have friends, be a spendthrift and accumulate weight, eat Brahms French chocolate almond ice cream three times a day and be physically fit. 
uh, I don't eat ice cream uh, simply because my body retains ice cream, all right? You can't work all day and party all night. You can't golf or fish five days a week, uh, spend three hours of TV daily, and get your master's degree. You can't write a daily column and play on the company softball team. You can't attend all plays, games, and church socials. In other words, you can't do all of these things. Let me tell you about a little game uh, I play. About every three years I do this. And the purpose of doing this is so that we can learn to say no to the good so we can say yes to the best. That's part of maturity. That's part of responsibility. That's part of making decisions and choices, the right choices. Uh, last time I did this, I started listing all the things I would like to do that year. Here's some of them. I want to conduct more family seminars. I wanted to start a daily radio program. I wanted to write a daily newspaper column. I wanted to campaign to get a lot of the advertising of booze and violence and sex off television. I wanted to work in the political campaigns to get qualified people in public office. I wanted to spend more time with my staff, write at least one book a year, learn how to speak Spanish, become more socially involved with my neighbors, read and research a minimum of three and preferably four hours each day, spend an hour getting in physical condition, be more active in the civic and social clubs, and I I want to be able to set a record for those people my age on the treadmill over the Cooper Clinic. I want to go to Russia and China, and uh, I, I want to do a number of other things. Also, I want to play golf five days a week. Now, when I put all of those things together and I guesstimated the amount of time it would take to do it, it came up to 368 hours a week. Now, folks, there are only 168 hours in the week. Now, what have I got to do? I have got to start eliminating the things that are not really important in my life. But until I put it down, I might have been guilty of saying, I want to do this, and I want to do this, and that, and the other. And that's the reason so many people go through life frustrated. One of the things that concerns me about much of our advertising is the promise they give you in 60 seconds that if you will use this deodorant, or use this shaving cream, uh, or if you will use this perfume, uh, that you will be irresistible to members of the opposite sex. That if you will do this, you will go right to the top. Well, you see, ladies and gentlemen, that is an illusion. But if you preach it often enough, it becomes believable. But let me simply say that unrealistic expectations are the very seedbed of depression. Now, what we're trying to do here is get a program so we'll know what we really want to do in life and plan it so that we have a legitimate chance of making it. So, Tom, everybody just heard your dad, Zig Ziglar's clip about how many choices we have. You know, he said, and he literally said, you know, there's 50,000 ways to earn a living. I, don't, I didn't go back to see when that recording was, but if we can assume it was 15 years ago, could be longer that he recorded that, if there's 50,000 ways to earn a living, what are there today? 50 million? I, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, that much more. But, you know, the bigger thing, I think, was towards the question I asked, just so many things that we can say yes to in the activities of life. So as I asked this question, 
Well, I'll repeat it again. If you were offered an opportunity of a lifetime that required you to stop one or two of your daily or weekly tasks, duties, and roles, what would you consider letting go of or deleting? And I was basing that off of Zig talking about eliminating things that are not really that important in life. And maybe, and I want to, I want to put it in the framework of they may be good things. Let's let's not even let's even take away whether we call them important or not. But they may be good things. But if there's too many good things, we don't have time for the great things in life. So one possibility is I ask the question really poorly. That's always a possibility. I ask it poorly, whatnot, because I posted that question for this show and ultimately got two responses. I posted another one for another show and I looked at it right around the same time. I looked at it, it's now got over 72 responses. So I'm gonna assume that either one, I ask it poorly, but I, I, I feel like it's, even if I ask it poorly, I have enough people looking at these things, I would have gotten more responses. Or it's one that people don't want to, it's, it's not a popular thing to think about. It's not something that we like to do. I'm not sure. I, actually, let me just throw that at you. Why, why, do you have any thoughts on why people didn't want to, didn't pony up to answer that question? Did I, again, did I ask it too obtusely or it, do we really look at my, my quandary is, do we look at our lives? I mean, you've got your life. You've made decisions. You've kind of got it in a somewhat of a sustainable comfort zone. And you don't really want to look at getting rid of anything, saying no to anything, creating boundaries, limiting something. I don't know. Give me your thoughts because I'm, I'm unsure. Yeah, you know, this is a, an interesting category of question. Because the assumption is, is we all want to do less of the unproductive things and more of the productive things. I mean, that's the assumption that we get into. But then we look at our patterns and our habits and we choose unproductive things constantly. When I was brand new uh, working at, at the company, probably five years in, maybe a little longer, we did a time and motion study of our salespeople. Hmm. And in this scenario, this was back when computers were new and software was slow and hardware was really slow. We bought this computer uh, program for our salespeople. And when they would sell something on the phone, they would then turn around and take it from the written page and they would type it into the computer and submit their order. It was all electronic. Everything was cool. Everybody was in love with all the innovation that was going on. But what we discovered is that the average salesperson back then was getting 20 orders a day, and it took between three and four minutes to enter that order. So they were spending an hour a day in doing that. So we made a great uh, leadership decision. We said, you know what? Accounting, they're more accurate. They've got faster computers, and they can enter that same order in less than a minute. So we created an hour of time for our salespeople. And I knew that because I knew what our averages were. I knew how many, how many calls the average person made in a day, how many of those calls turned into conversations, how many of those conversations turned into orders, how long all that took. And so I knew that I was going to add 12 and a half percent of revenue just by that one decision because we were going to take away a non-productive time and replace it with a productive time. And guess what happened? I'm going to say nothing, even though nothing. the math seems perfect. Salespeople, they got an hour long break. 
right? Yeah. Because they were engineered to have so many conversations, so many calls, everything during that time and sales stayed exactly the same. And so that might've been kind of my first inkling mm. of that quote that's the anchor of choose to win, which is the fastest way to success is to replace a bad habit with a good habit. And so that means that people, when they look at that question, they have to think, what's my purpose? What's my why? What's, what's the ultimate thing that I'm striving for? I need to do more of that. And just a lot of people haven't really thought through it because if you're a salesperson and you're going to be there for eight hours anyway, because back then we paid salary plus commission, you had to be there working from A to B, right? It was back in the good old days when our phone rang and people had to be there and, you know, we had structure and, and you would think, well, I got to be there anyway. I might as well make more money. <laughs> so, yeah. But ultimately there wasn't a, a vacuum uh, a void always is filled and it's usually filled with things that don't take you closer to your ultimate purpose, your why, yeah. your, your dream, unless you're very intentional about it. Well, and that's the quote that I've seen often now as we record this in July 2020, that something to the effect of everybody who said, man, if I only had you know more time or if I had time off or if I had could work from home or X, Y, Z, I could get all these things done. And, you know, we had the pandemic and we're all at home. We got that wish and how many people didn't change anything or produce more. They said, well, obviously it wasn't the time issue, which we've you know talked before. We all think, gosh, if we just had more time, if I just, if I could have an extra hour per day and this study shows we have an extra hour per day, we end up just wasting it and doing what you said, coming back to our norm. And it's interesting, Tom, as I look at this, I wonder if I also was off-putting with it by framing it around, if you were offered an opportunity of a lifetime, because maybe that's stressful. I mean, we hear that, and I want to think that that sounds really exciting. Man, you're offered the opportunity, but that's still discomfort. What is it? What is that opportunity? What's it going to require of me? We are right now all so geared, me too, for comfort. And I, and I think about that so often. I want to think of myself as this rebel, this renegade, that I love change, that I take risks. And I look at my life, it's pretty monotonous. And, and some of it I like. Even my, my, my workouts, my running and riding, my great loves, the majority of the time I'm on trails that I know because I don't want to think about it too much because I want to let my mind go off elsewhere, kind of get in the zone or the flow like Stephen Kotler goes. And I'm not changing things up. If I go to a new trail, it's a very different experience. It requires very different things from me and I got to pay attention. Um, and, and there's benefits of that too, but it takes me out of the comfort and right now, the weekly tasks, duties, and roles that we have, we're comfortable in. Maybe I was off-putting with that opportunity of a lifetime. Because, I mean, especially on Facebook, what do we want to answer? Things that are kind of exciting and easy. Um, it's interesting. The question that I've got, yeah, 72 comments on was, it's actually a question for my What Drives You podcast. And it's, what reasons drive you to exercise and eat well and increase and or maintain your health and wellness? Well, everybody who's into health and wellness is excited, like I would be, to talk about it. Oh, man, I ride, I run, I do nutrition because of this. These are my goals. That's fun to talk about. I think I ask a question here. Yeah, required. 
required a, a lot more thought and easier to bypass. So that leaves you and I, Tom, talking about this issue of, of that, of the, and I really wanted to break it into two parts, the aspect of most people listening to this show, like you and me, are looking to do well in life, to do good in life, to do good for others, and they have chosen good things. They have a, a plate full of good things that is their schedule for the day. Um, but to, to Zig's point, if there's so many good things, we ultimately don't have room for the great thing. For me, Tom, right now, I'm looking at the good things. What are the good things that I am going to have to back off of in order to do the great thing of finishing my book? I mean, that's a, that's a, I'm literally looking at that right now. I'm having to restructure and decide what I'm going to do uh, to make that happen because I'm letting it, I'm procrastinating a little bit on it. want to do it. I want, it's exciting. I enjoy it, but it's hard work. And it's not as urgent. It's not yelling at me. And it's uncomfortable. It's not something I'm super comfortable in or as comfortable in as, as doing. So what are some good things? And slash, the other side of it is, how could I be working smarter? And I got to admit, too, I'm looking at my life and go, you know what? I, I could not change anything other than being more intentional, planning better, setting out my priorities better, not taking the moment. I mean, I can justify being on Facebook. That's where I go and post the questions for these shows. So I can justify doing that kind of, I could also write the question out give it to my daughter and have her post it for me and have her bring the results, which she usually does too. I don't really have to go and look at it. I don't really have to go do that and also scroll down and see that oh, that's a funny meme or that's a really neat quote, but I'm scrolling on. Like you said, maybe last week, Oh my gosh, and now 10 minutes has gone by. 15 minutes has gone by. So I'll throw that at you, that aspect of what things should we delegate, take out, say no to, boundaries, if we call it that. We just recently did a show with, uh, Netra, with, with Nedra uh, Glover-Tawab on boundaries. Uh, so we can look at that and working smarter. Where do you see, I mean, even as you're working with your executive coaching clients, you know, where do you, where do you see the need more? So here's an interesting parallel. We're in the, we're in the middle of the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And last week I was reading articles about these elite athletes and there's a, there's something that I hadn't seen before. And I think they call it restriction training. Have you, have you heard of that restriction training? Not by that name. Explain it. Maybe I've know it under something uh, else. Maybe it's, maybe that's the wrong name, but what they do is they'll take a band. A resistance. And re, well, no, it's a little no? bit different. So they'll, they'll take a band and they'll wrap it very tightly around the thighs or the oh. biceps or a muscle group. They will, they will restrict blood flow. Okay. And then they will go out all out in their exercise. So imagine a swimmer who is training for freestyle, you know, and he's or she's going all out. Well, with restriction training, in five minutes, you can get the same amount of muscle exhaustion as it might take you 25 minutes. Interesting. Okay. And then when you, and then when you reduce the band and you take it off or you, you know, you put it at zero restriction, the blood rushes back in. And they say it has that benefit of clearing out the lactic acid and all the things that build up when you do it. And so what they're learning, it's kind of like cryotherapy uh, for heavy weight trainers and things like that. You know, you, you lift heavy and then you do cryotherapy 
where all the blood rushes to your internal organs and then you get out and it rushes back out and it clears the toxins and the lactic acid. And so the people who really love it say, you know what, I can get the same equivalent output with uh, 30% of the, or 50% of the time and 50% of the calorie burn. Okay. Right. So if you're a swimmer who's having to eat 10 or 15,000 calories a day just to maintain your weight and you're having to work out four or five or six hours a day, then those are two pretty huge reasons to check this out. Yeah. And so then I compared it to, uh, well, isn't uh, pressure or restriction, isn't that how we all grow in every area of our life? Right. Isn't the the best work or the biggest growth that you see someone go through when there's pressure from all different angles and they figure out strategies to handle it. And so then <clears throat> I put that together and there's a term for this and maybe you know the term and that is how long does it take to get something done? And the answer is it'll take as long as the deadline you put down. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's true in my case, for sure. So if you're going to give yourself a week to do it, it's going to take a week. If you're going to restrict the time and give yourself a day, it'll take a day. And so I'm wondering when we start thinking about uh, peak performance and we determine there's these positive actions we can take that will get us closer to our purpose. What if instead of uh, trying to do more, right? Add in more activities or dump activities that are, that are neutral or not getting us closer. What if we just looked at the things that really make a difference and instead of giving ourselves a week to do it, we give ourselves two days to do it. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, I'm going to spend, I'm going to read this book in three hours, I'm going to read it in two, right? I'm, instead of writing this in four hours, I'm going to do it in three. Uh, and we kind of restrict it. And, and not everything is one-to-one, -one, right? Sometimes <laughs> I'm going to go and I'm going to call 10 customers to have meaningful conversations, but I'm going to compress that time. That may not be as easy to do. Right. But is it the, is it the, in, in, in running, it's called turnover. And so you can, somebody's gait or somebody's ability to reach a peak speed is how fast they turn their legs. It's probably the same in cycling, right? Somebody who's got Cadence. just, a, just a, yeah, just a faster engine, right? A yeah. faster engine, you can cover more ground in less time. And so maybe uh, what what pressure does, and, and, and right now in our marketplace with the whole thing of remote work versus working at headquarters, one of the big issues is when we onboard somebody new into our business, how do we pour into that person, you know, the tribal knowledge that the people who've been there for years have uh, through Zoom calls versus face-to-face? -face? You know, one of the benefits of, working in a in a in a close quarters under pressure is that you have to ask people who've been there and done that 
what their experience has been. How do I get this done? And you, and that transfers to you a lot quicker. It's the, the fire hose. You are listening to The Ziegler Show and this episode about managing our opportunities and tasks. Next, I bring up a classic analogy from Zig Ziglar talking about how focused and efficient we are the day before leaving on vacation. It's a great perspective, though we also discuss how we can't do that every day. We can't be that focused every day. It's got to be paced. Now, I appreciate you saying that there, you know, there are some things that we can compact in. I think a lot, it was interesting as you're talking about the sports stuff and the restrictive thing, which I had not heard of. You know, we were just talking about watching the Olympics and the cycling race was six hours, which I don't even want to watch a six hour, you know, event, but to that, knowing that it's going to be six hours, uh, you know, and I was a pro cyclist, you have to build up the endurance. You can't, you can't, uh, short circuit that if you're going to be out there for six hours, you need to be training your body to be able to function at a high level for six hours. We would even talk about that because if the race is 150 miles long, if I'm training, I don't have to train 150 miles. I need to train for six for the time period. My body is, it's the time, not the, even the output so much, uh, because the, you know, you're going to, in the race, you're going to be drafting and it's different, whatever, but that time, but my gosh, yeah, so many things. So I, it got me to thinking, Tom, what you just talked about there, it's been a while since I played that clip, but it's uh, there's the famous one from your dad, from Zig Ziglar, about vacation, the day before vacation, that we all know that. The day before vacation, man, we are incredibly productive. We are focused, and just like you said, we know. I, this happens for me a lot of times because anytime we're going to go for a while, I've got shows to be produced, so i got to get them he- done ahead of time, and I do. I always do. Why don't I just get them done ahead of time? You know, always. I will give one caveat to that, that I do like the deadlines. I'm a deadline driven person. I'm self-employed as you. So no, I'm accountable to nobody really for doing my stuff. So I have to set deadlines and have other people in there to create some of that accountability. Uh, But I don't, so I get the concept of being focused, being smart, uh, restrictive training, like, like you talked about. However, I also realized, man, I don't want to do that every day. I literally don't. But should we have time? So I want people to hear that and have permission to go, gosh, can we set up times that, you know, on these days of the week or these certain times or these, you know, this season, here's a project, here's a deadline. But understanding, too, I don't want to work that hardcore every single day. We do need the rest. I do enjoy the days where I come in and go, man, there's not super pressure. I can catch up on some emails or I can maybe even just ponder an issue a little bit and think I, I really enjoy the autonomy of being able to have a, a lax day. And like yesterday, I'm going to do it today as well. I'm actually going to bug out a little early. There's not as many people at home go there. And yesterday I said, I'm going to go home and work from there. I didn't. I watched the Olympics. Uh, but I'm, you know, that's one, that's one of the reasons I'm self-employed uh, as well in that. But yeah, I, I like this, this discussions and I want to help open up some of the opportunity for people to think about, okay, there's the things I can give up. Uh, as far as literal tasks and I can delegate them. I can say no to them. I can have boundaries there. And there's also the thing, I guess we're still talking about a giving up, you know, of, of, of giving up of distraction, 
giving up of procrastination, whatever, for certain time periods and being focused. Is that a fair juxtaposition there? Not just yeah, you've got, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You've, you've got my mind racing because okay. the you know there's a uh, very strong principle in creating a positive habit, and in a positive habit, my definition of that that's something that takes you uh, that you do do over and over again that takes you closer to your why, your dream, your goal, your aspiration, the project you want to complete, whatever that is. That would be a positive habit, and in creating positive habits. There's three things that we need in order to cement that in that make it easier to cement it in. The first one is we need a trigger that says, I'm gonna do the habit, right? And the second one is we need to do it. And the third one is, is we need a reward. Yes. Okay, so yeah. the day before vacation is like, hey, if you get these 12 action items done, you can go all expenses paid, and I think in the recording, Dad talked about Acapulco. That tells you how long ago that was, because I don't think anybody would go to Acapulco now, right? <laughs> I mean, because it's it's dangerous there now. Yeah. But but the idea was, if you get these twelve things done, you delegate them, you figure them out yourself, you you put all the energy into it, whatever it is, then the reward is four day weekend, all expenses paid, chef uh, in your house, you know trip on the yacht, we're probably going to get them done. And then dad closes it off and he says, hey, why don't you go to Acapulco every day? And so this, I think, is a good, you know, maybe this is the practical way of instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to take all the slack time out of my schedule, right? I'm not going to watch Netflix. I'm not going to goof off on social media, you know, I'm not going to chill anymore. I'm just going to get more work done. Maybe a better way to approach it is to say, I'm giving, I'm giving myself three hours to do this. And if I can get this done, you know, uh, shipping worthy, like Seth Godin says, good enough to ship, uh, may not be perfect, but it's pretty, pretty close. If I can get this done uh, before lunch, then you know what? I'm going to my favorite lunch place. Yeah. Right. And maybe what we do to up our game is, you know, to me, this is, it's called blood flow restriction training. That's what the athletes are, are, are testing out. And so what they're doing is they're, they're, they're simulating a pressure environment and they're going all out, but they don't have to do it for as long to get the same results. And so this is the same thing. I'm, I'm going to, what would normally take me, you know, six hours or two days to do in a project, I'm going to get up early and I'm going to hit it first thing. And if I get, you know, and if I get done by X, then I get a reward. And I think what'll happen is in sales, we have a saying, the biggest sale a salesman or saleswoman will make is usually dependent on the biggest sale they've ever made. Yeah. Right. In other words, for these athletes, uh, a lot of times, like one of the swimmers yesterday beat their personal best by five seconds. And you know what? That's they huge. weren't focused. That's huge. Insane. They were not, they weren't focused on their personal best. They were focused on, wow, there's a, there's a, a legendary Olympic gold medal champion 
and I'm only a few seconds behind them and the race is almost done. Can I hang? And so that's what their focus was. It wasn't beating their personal best. It was, I'm swimming with champions now. Well, guess what? The bar just, and this is a young swimmer. So the bar just got raised, right? The yeah. bar just got raised. And so, and so now the mental expectation of what I can do, it's in the, in the athletic world, the Olympic uh, level, that percentage of a speed increase is ridiculous, yeah. right? And how did that happen? It, it happened because the mind got focused on what was possible rather than what I've done in the past. That is okay. I got to ask. I got to deviate here. What race was that? I didn't see that. Do you remember? Men's, women's. I think, I think it was the women's fifteen hundred meter with Ledecky. Okay. All right. Who won the gold? Yep. And the American won silver. The okay. other, the other swimmer. Uh, and she just got focused on, hey, I made it to the finals. Yeah. And you know what? If I can have a good start, and that's like a what is it like a 30 or 40 minute swim i mean it's it's like the equivalent of a six hour bike race yeah that's, I mean, you know, that's a longer except for except for bikers they can coast every now and then that's uh, true that is that is actually true we do get a little <laughs> little coasting in there um that that is yeah that is significant so, so to look at that so now you know to go on that the tangible aspects hmm. of this i think this is stuff that we know but we don't i said we i'm counting myself in here I, I really have to put some boundaries going to Nedra, uh, to Wab's focal point. I've got to put some boundaries because for me to what I cut out, what I know I'm able to cut out when there is that deadline, when there is that focus is things like social media is emails is chit chat and i don't want to downplay chit chat i need to do more of it because it is relational it builds relationships sometimes but that is one obviously we all have entertainment that we do i think we're at a time period where people feel more stressed out and busy than ever and yet we know by stats they're also engaging in more entertainment than ever and i get it i want to do that too and i'm going to today i'm going to go home and watch the olympics that is not a necessity for my life i can pawn it off and say it's inspiring it is but it is just great entertainment man i get all the feels and all the fun um and you know to do that one of my primary things tom i'm so grateful you brought it up though is a reward and I think we tend to be, as a humanity, consequence-driven. We know that from a motivation standpoint that generally we tend to re respond or react to the stimulus of penalty more than reward. That's just basic humanity. Uh, but so often with the things, especially for what we're talking about here in the realm of personal development and business development, these are things that we want to do because we want to be better. There's not some big consequence out there. Obviously, we don't, we don't get it, but it's not like the job where the consequence is we get fired or we don't pay the mortgage or there's not some acute reaction uh, consequence from this. And so with this thing where there's not really going to be a bad consequence, if I don't write the book, uh, having a reward, as you said, that is big for me. That is one of the reasons where often with a project, I will literally take off, take off from the family and go to some epic mountain bike trail area and I'll camp or get a cool Airbnb or whatever. 
And I'm going to get up in the morning and man, I am so motivated to be ultra productive and creative. And then I know I'm going to go on an epic ride. I'm going to have awesome food. Uh, you know, and I'm going to treat myself with that reward or it may be something small, like you said, where for me, a good treat, cause I generally just bring leftovers from the night before to my office. So a treat for me, sushi, you know, this, you and I've had some great sushi together. Uh, that's it. It's going to get a great meal, but that's, I, I do like that. It's putting that out there. And I think it's one that I see people not engage with a lot, though. When I ask habits, when I audit habits of the guests we have on the show, they are very often reward driven people. They know their rewards. They know their carrot and the stick uh, things. And they have those out there. So when I ask about the personal spoke and the things that they do just for themselves, self-care in essence, a lot of them are pretty cognizant of those. And yet... For, peop- for, for so many people, I think they're not as much, and they often may even feel guilty for setting those out there. So I think that's an important one that you pointed out, Tom. Yeah, and, you know, and it brings to mind another story. Uh, one, of our, one of our ZLC speakers and coaches, she has a, uh, a business, and uh, uh, she's a financial planner and helps people. And she made a core value decision. She's got five kids, and they're all at home. And she said, you know what? I'm going to be done at three o'clock every day. So think about this. So did she do less? Did she make her clients suffer? Her business has grown. So what happened is she got intensely focused in, in her business between the start of the day and three. And she started developing people on her team to handle the things that she was handling a lot more of and her business has grown. And so her, her kind of that, that process that she went through is she said, you know what the reward I want, because it's the most important thing in my life is I want to have focused, guilt-free family time. And so I am gonna get done before three o'clock, everything that needs to be get done and if I can't do it, I'm going to develop my team to do it for me. And then on the rare occasion, if, if I need to get involved, I will. Yeah. Her business has flourished since that decision. And so I think what, what, what we're doing here is, and, and tell me if you're like me in this, you work really, really hard, you know, and you have a great day and then you do this again the next day and then you do this again the next day. And then it's like a beautiful afternoon and you're like, you know, I think I'm just going to go head out and check it out. And you get out and then you start feeling guilty because you should, you should be in there working. Right. And I think a lot of us face that. So what if instead of that, we just said, no, that's not the way it is. The way it is, is we get the main things done now. And we do this, We'll, we'll call it uh, restrictive productivity instead yeah. of allowing ourselves all day to get it done. We say, no, I'm just going to take six hours to get it done. And then when we get it done in six hours and we look at everything that was planned and it's done, we go, this is unbelievable. And we go have fun, right? Conscious, free, fun, full attention and whatever we want to do. It's, I, I'm laughing because it's, I, 
I still struggle with that, Tom. At my age, I've been self-employed almost all my life, but I still have that perspective of, you know, nine to five during regular business hours that I should be working, that that's, I owe it to my family, to the country. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know where it, it's just the norm that I should be. And I'm aware that I, I often take liberties, but I'm aware of it. I'm aware of that little guilt bell that'll start to go off and it's the middle of the day and I'm out here on a trail and I can again try to justify it and say what's well, exercise and inspiration I mean I'm having fun also I mean I'm grateful that there's those benefits as well but I'm having fun and it's interesting that we uh, struggle with that it was Brian Dixon who's the author of I think the book is start with your people that we had on uh, maybe maybe last part of, of last year and when I ask him about habits, he says one of his rewards, Tom, is going to see a movie in the middle of the day, a work day. Uh, that's a reward for him. It's just a decadent thing because, yeah, I think it feels so almost kind of naughty, right, to do that. Well, so we talk about the things where we can be, we can work smarter, we can be more productive, we can be more focused. I think that we can all look at that. And I'm going to say, yes, that we can do that, though I'm also going to say I also enjoy the times that I have when I'm not having to be so focused. And I can, you know, look at some emails and, and deal with some non-urgent things and not be so hyper-focused. We don't want to do that every day. That's like with cycling, well, with any athletic performance, you cannot go full tilt boogie every day. There's got to be some recovery time. So I appreciate those times of productive recovery, we'll call it, you know, work times there, but we can all work smarter. Now, the other thing is looking at our lives. And this is to the question that I, well, really to Zig's message about eliminating some things, but to the question that I, I posted that we didn't get a lot of response to of, are there some activities in our tangible daily lives that we may need to look at and say they're good but man, they're not great. And if I'm going to get the great thing done, if I'm going to make room for something greater, I've got to look at these. And my quick list, Tom, and this is me doing it as a, as a husband and as a father was thinking about common things that I hear my, that either myself or prone to do, or I hear people talk about volunteering. We have a lot of faith-based audience here, people that are doing things for their church or they're working in the homeless shelter or they're, you know, just being available to help friends. I mean, that is a good thing. I have definitely seen some people, though, put that ahead of some other great things in their lives. And even though that's a good thing, now I'm not telling anybody, don't volunteer, don't work at your church, whatever, but man, you can be, uh, and I will pick on churches, sometimes you can be sucked dry by a church, man. If you give an inch, they will take a mile and you've got to be looking at your own self-care and the legacy of your own life over here. For me, kid activities is really big. Anybody out there with kids, especially non-driving age kids, and you look at, man, it's great to have them in all these, in school and all these extracurricular things, time with friends, and you can suck up your entire life being a chauffeur. And we joke about that, but it's a legitimate thing. And I've come to the point, Tom, of sometimes looking at my kids and because, you know, that may be great for little Bobby there, but Man, the consequences of that or what that's going to not allow are pretty significant. And I need to look at that. This is a big family. It's not just him. And he is not more important than me either. And, and there's, again, there's some volatile discussions to be had in there. There's housekeeping and chores. I've seen people do that. They get so caught up. And, you know, every Saturday, this has to be done. The lawn has to be mowed. The car has to be washed. The this has to be done or whatever. And then I've run into other people who have produced these great things to say, you know what? It was the day that I realized that nobody's going to die if my house isn't perfectly clean all the time. 
or my car's dirty or whatnot. Again, these are balancing things. I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. And then the other big one, Tom, the other big category that I had listed then is in our work. And kind of a, an av a muse that people look to out here is Timothy Ferris with his four-hour work week, you know, where you delegate everything. It's always felt a little uh, untenable to me, but conceptually, what is it in our work? Whether you're self-employed or you are an employee, of course, we would say everybody's self-employed, but whether you literally own a business or you're working as an employee somewhere, that what are the things that you could possibly delegate. I mean, my dad, I'm sure you've experienced this, Tom. My dad as a career coach has looked at a lot of people who were uh, actually his story is a lot of times they were done. They were about to be done with the job. They're just going to back off. It's killing them. It's too stressful. And he helped them look at it and look at what are the things that you excel at that you are the best at? Can you get rid of the others? And even people then who have gone to an employer and said, look, I really want, I, I don't hate the job, but I'm struggling in it. I want to invest all myself in the things that I'm good at. Can we get some help and delegate the others and some great stories, you know, of that happening. But now to go to the self-employed person and Tom, I'll raise my hand as somebody who oftentimes my biggest struggle is not wanting to give something up, a task, a duty, a role, a chore in my work, because one, I don't want to take the hassle and the investment of delegating it because you got to find who's going to do it. Are they going to do it right? How do I teach them to do it? And I can go days, weeks, months, and I never take the time to do that, to take that investment of time that would save me hordes of time over here. But that's always one challenge. The other one for me is giving up or the fear of giving up control or quality. And there are things that I want to do. And sometimes I've also realized, you know what? I kind of like doing it because it's a menial task. It's not that hard. It doesn't require, and it's a crutch that I'm using to not do something else over here that takes more effort that would, that I'm going to have to be brilliant in. And I can kind of cop out on myself and go, well, you know, I got to do this thing and realize, you know what? Somebody could do it. I'm holding on to it because I want to, for a couple different motives, you know, one, not doing the hard work over here. It's easy, yada, yada. And I can also use a, to me, it's been a cop out a lot of times to talk about control or quality though. One, one, one piece I'll offer to the quality aspect that I've absolutely realized, Tom, there have been some things that I've finally coughed up. I have delegated and you know what? It actually happened. The quality was not as good as when I did it. And it freed me up to do something over here that far outweighed with benefit the consequences of that little bit lesser quality. So Tom, I know you deal with this a lot in your own business and working with others, but those are some thoughts on the aspects of what kind of what Tzig talked about. What are some of the things that may not be quite as important as the ultimate important things that we could absolutely honestly give up, say no to and stop, cancel or delegate. Yep. I'll just give a, a quick uh, business owner example. Uh, by the way, we've got a Ziegler business owner bootcamp uh, coming up. Probably uh, what, what month are we? We're in July, August. I think it's in September, coming up in September. And what we do with business owners is we say, look, there are five areas in your business. There's marketing, sales, operations, administration, and leadership. Okay, you're the owner, you're the leader. And so we're, these are small businesses. So there's four areas and in each of those, well, there's five areas and in each area, there are three, three levels, doing the work, managing the work and directing the work and all of those report to the owner. 
Well, when you're a when you're a brand new owner and you look at that chart, the flow chart of who does what, your name is in every box. You're doing the work, you're managing the work, and you're directing the work, right? Yeah. And then you're you're and then you're having the conversations with all the other departments, which is you. And so we asked the question, which one of those areas should you delegate first? And so here are the common things. Okay, so look at it this way. Let's just make it real simple. The answer is let's delegate the work that we can that we can outsource for the least amount of money. Yeah. And so the bottom row of doing the work, it might be $15 an hour work in marketing, sales, operations, administration. Managing the work might be $50 an hour and directing the work might be $100 an hour. So as the business owner, I want to focus on $100 an hour plus activities. That's the high return on investment and I want to outsource those. Well then, well, which one should I do first? You should do and outsource the one that you're least qualified to do. So if you're a marketing sales individual, outsource operations and administration. If it's the other way, you outsource the other or you hire somebody to do that. And then we still get a lot of business owners who say, yeah, but I like doing the work. You know, they might have an HVAC business or, you know, some kind of hands-on and they, they're, they've got calloused hands and they love doing the technical technician stuff. Not every day, not all the time. They're like, what? I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to do what I love. You, you know, you might outsource, you might like writing Kevin, but you, you realize that writing the, the weekly email isn't the best use of your time, you know? So you get a great copywriter who understands it. And so this is what we tell the owner. And so if, and if you're owning your career, owning your own job, ask yourself this. There's a difference between having to do the work and wanting to do the work. And so when you start delegating out the things that you're least skilled at and the things that have lower return on your time, it's still, once you get all that done and you're in your turnkey and you've maximized that, if you want to go fix an air conditioner, go fix an air conditioner, mm -hmm. right? If that's fun to you, you can still do it. But there's a huge psychological shift between I have to and I get to. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want. We want to be in the get to place with everything. Well, and you pull out, gosh, one of the things I cut my business teeth on from Michael Gerber. I, I mentioned him in a show, gosh, maybe even yesterday. Uh, he's the author of the E-Myth and talks about so often we have, he calls it the entrepreneurial seizure. Let's use your HVAC. And it's somebody who loves doing it, man. They enjoy it. They're really good at it. But they see that, hey, this much money comes in from the customer. I'm only getting X amount. I'm going to start my own business and go into that. Not thinking through the fact that now you are the boss. You have to run the whole business and you may not have time to sit there and work on the air conditioners, the things that you enjoy doing that and to really look at that. And to some degree, man, if that's what you enjoy, you may be best just to keep a job. 
to where that's what you get to do day in and day out. Because if you want to do that as a business owner, you're either going to have to do all the other business on top of it or hire somebody to run your business. And they're going to have to have the pay appropriate to running the business if that's not you. So, but what you said there, Tom, too, some of the things that, yeah, you just like doing, I, I, again, I find that so often there's some things that I'm doing. I'm taking a lot of time to do it because I kind of enjoy it but it is keeping me from doing the bigger thing that nobody else can do but me. So to all that, to culminate all this, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, I hope you're hearing this and it gives you some ideas, but you may need some help. I mean, a lot of people need help, especially those of you who are business owners, auditing your business and looking at what are the things, because I've never found a business owner, Tom, including me, who has a list of things that they believe that they cannot delegate. I always do. And I find myself holding on to them and I'll talk to somebody like you and they'll say, okay, here's an opportunity help me see it in a different way that really opens it up. So get some help. And to that, I'll do shameless promotion. You just mentioned the Ziegler, Ziegler business owners bootcamp folks. If you go to Ziegler.com and click on the events tab, it'll pop up there. And it is September 13th and 14th. As of this recording, this is 2021. Now, if you're listening to this years from now, Hey, go to Ziegler.com, click on the events. There will be another one uh, coming up. So go check that out. And uh, they've got the events, products, and different programs that you can go see uh, there as well. Tom, I was excited to talk about this. I was excited when I heard the clip from your father, Zig Ziglar, uh, talk about this because I just know that, of course, I see it through my eyes as a business person, but I do as well as a father, a husband, uh, and somebody. There are so many things out there. And man, it's so easy to let the months go by without doing that non-urgent, but very important, great thing. And uh, because I have so many good things, again, they're good things. They're not bad things. They're great. They're, they're, they're very good things, but they're getting in the way of the great. So this has me motivated as most of our shows do to audit what I'm doing. How can I make better room and reward myself for that great thing? Thanks, brother. Love it, brother. Thank you. Well, honestly, after this episode, I felt more convicted really to get more focused and deal with the distractions in my life. I'm so prone to getting distracted and spending time on unimportant tasks, not as productive tasks. And I really have to put boundaries on myself. It's interesting in James Clear's best-selling book right now, Atomic Habits, he shares that he has an assistant, chains his social media passwords every week, and he only gives them to him, gives or he only gets them back on the weekends. And this ends his temptation to get on and waste time or do, you know, less important work. That's more the direction I need. I feel like I need to go. So how about you? What can you stop doing, delegate, or just get more focused with? Coming up in episode 913, I'm back with Kate Ekman, author of The Full Spirit Workout, and we talk through her healthy habits for success. But in this episode, this habits episode, I ask her to share what habits and routines she's altered since the wake-up call of her two close friends committing suicide that radically changed the trajectory of her life. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. Thank you.